You're listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we work to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear the good news about the person and work of Jesus and as we scatter to share it. We hope that you enjoy. When one country attacks another country, it is pictured as divine warfare. One country's ancestral pride against another. One country's God against another God. And this is the way, at least in part, that we're seeing this play out during Moses' day and during this time of God's people exiting from Egypt. Let's figure out where we're going. By blood, Jesus spared you judgment. Last week, we took a little bit of a detour, and we needed to be reminded from the text, because this is a hard week where there's lots of suffering, and there's lots of pain, and because we're far removed from it, it's easy to say, yay, go God. And yet all around us, if we were in this scene, there would have been pain and suffering and death, and heartache. And no one wants to see that. No one wants to have to live through that. No one wants to be a part of it. And so we needed to remember last week that God sees us. He hears us and He knows us. We also had to sort out last week what's going on as we're going through the plagues and Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And we looked at the first five plagues and how Pharaoh, it just will simply say Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And it doesn't say who did it. And we know what this means, right? We know what this is like. When circumstances, without us thinking about it, we get hard towards something. And also during those first five plagues, it was repeated that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then in the second five plagues, by and large, we have a pattern of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Interestingly enough, those first five plagues also were, um, and we'll go through them this morning. Actually, I'll pull it up now. Okay, for note takers out there, you're going to love me. Okay, you're going to love me. You're welcome. I made a graph. I made a graph. I try not to use this thing very much, okay? But it is helpful sometimes. And so I, I divided up the, the plagues into three rounds. And that's going to be important as we're moving forward. Um, but last week, we divided it up into two sections, the first five and the second five. And the first five at least fairly closely relate to the gods of Egypt. And for an Egyptian... In those circumstances, it was fairly apparent to them that their gods had either turned against them or were now working for the Hebrew God. Because everything that they worshipped, the Nile, as their source of life, had become a source of death. Uh, Livestock, which they worshipped and which we're going to see later on, God's people uh, making a golden calf, right? Why? Because this is something that they learned during their their time in Egypt. Uh, The frogs, there's a little bit of a relationship there to to the gods of Egypt and so on and so forth. All these things that they thought would protect them are instead 
bringing them death. Everything that they thought would be a blessing has become broken. And their worlds are turned upside down. But this week, we're going to look at, at least for just a little while, some of these plagues. And it's... I hesitate to go through each one of them in depth just because the plagues, although important, aren't necessarily the point. But the plagues are driving home the point pretty clearly. Chapter 8, and we're going to... Last week we talked about the Nile, and this week we're going to start off with the frogs, okay? And you get the idea. In fact, the kids' storybook Bible did a great job of painting the picture for us. There were frogs everywhere. Anywhere that there was water, the frogs were. The frogs were filling the houses. And not often do we think about what what do you do with all these frogs? You can only eat so many frogs, right? Well, let's see what happens. It's at the end of of this little section in verse 13. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, make it stop. And they said, okay, we'll go to God. They went to God and God is is listening to them. And He's going to make it stop. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when the Pharaoh saw that there was a a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord said. So what are they doing? They have to gather all the frogs. They've got to get a bunch of spades. There's so many frogs. They're going to put them in a pile. And probably like an ancient battlefield, they're just going to set the whole thing aflame. That's disgusting. Okay. And then what's the next plague that we have coming up here? Small biting insects. It says gnats. It could be michis. It could be little mosquitoes. Anything that's small and biting. That's the idea. Okay. And, and we read here that, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. And I read this. Why? Because so often, whether it's the crossing through the Jordan or each of the individual plagues, everyone wants to try to rationalize what's going on here. Well, clearly, the frog, the gnats came because the frogs died and so on and so forth. I don't know if you remember this. We believe in God. We have a supernatural religion that does not go by all the laws of nature. Okay? God is making strange and amazing things happen here. And it's extraordinarily important that we remember that. Because, especially here, in the first plague with the Nile, the second plague with the frogs, but in the third plague, the Pharaoh goes back to his witch doctors, goes back to his magicians, and he says, make the gnats appear from the, from the dirt like they did. And the witch doctors say, sorry, we can't do that. We actually believe that this is the hand of God telling you, to let the people go. And here we begin to see Pharaoh's people turn against him. His magicians to start with. And they say, no, no, no. This is the finger of God. We can't do that. And we're going to see more and more that Pharaoh begins to ignore his own people. 
and to go solely on his hard heart and his pride. So that's round one. We see the the bloody Nile. We see hordes of frogs. We see small, biting insects. And here's something that's really strange about these first three plagues that I don't often think about, at least not when I'm reading this text, is that God's people, Israel, they were suffering through all the same things that the Egyptians were suffering through. They lacked water because the Nile had turned to blood. Their houses were filled with frogs and their skin was covered in insect bites. Their food was filled with bugs. Why would God do this? Well, in round two, we're going to see that he, the text says He makes a division. He goes to Moses and he says, there's going to be a division now. And Moses takes that to Pharaoh for the next uh, five, uh, no, for the next six uh, plagues. That God's people, Israel, will not suffer these plagues, but the Egyptian people will suffer these plagues. But why did God cause his people to suffer the first three plagues? And I think there's a really good reason for that. One, very clearly, like we talked about, I mean, these are the gods of the Egyptians attacking their own people, right? These are the spirits of Egypt coming to life and destroying their own nation. This is to shake out of God's people any notion that they can rely upon the comfort, relative comfort of Egypt to save them. Also, to be reminded of the fact, look, consequences for our sin are hardwired into the natural world. What does the Apostle Paul say? Paul would say that the paycheck that you earn for yourself, the pay slip that you earn for yourself with your sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And God's people all around them are seeing death. People probably dehydrating and dying. They're seeing the death of frogs, if not people. They're seeing people wishing that they were dead. Suffering and death is a product of our sin. And they're seeing that front and center, bright and shining. But now, God is going to make a division. And we're going to call this a division out of mercy. He's going to show mercy to His people. He's going to say, look, You've seen what I can do. Now see my loving kindness and what I can do and what I will continue to do for you. And so we see flies in round two. In chapter 8, verses 20 to verses 24, we read this. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning. And the reason why we have three rounds too, the first one in each row it starts off by Moses rising up early in the morning. Okay, so we we see a pattern here in the text. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people. Uh, specifically, the kind of fly that we're talking about here is a blood-sucking fly. I don't know if we have those in South Africa. I don't know if we, 
I don't want to know if we have those in South Africa, but they bite, it hurts, it's disgusting. You could probably get infected from them, okay? Bugs are gross. Okay, um, or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your house, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen. This is like the suburb that God's people are placed in. So this little suburb of Egypt, there's not going to be any flies, he's saying. Where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow, this sign will happen. And the Lord did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into the servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by swarms of flies. Once again, that's disgusting. Next, we're going to see livestock dying. Right? This livestock was worshipped. Why? Because it sustained life for the people of Egypt. And yet, the livestock of the Israelites did not die. How do we know this? Well, we're going to see it later on because there's sheep and there's goats to sacrifice and to use their blood to place over the door so that judgment will pass over them. But the livestock die. So it's in those first five plagues, again, that we see God really going to war with the gods of Egypt. It's kind of like when, when the prophets of Baal are trying to rain down <laughs> right? And what, what, does, what does the prophet say? Oh, I'm sorry. Your, your God must be using the toilet, and that's why he can't hear you right now. Maybe that's what the Egyptians' gods are up to. They're just, they're occupied for the time being. And yet, in the next five plagues, we're going to see that the gods of Egypt have totally abandoned them. And we move from suffering under the gods of Egypt to suffering totally without them. Clearly, these gods either don't exist or they've ignored you. And you're going to suffer from here on out. And so that suffering starts with boils. Uh, boils, big pockets of fluid on your skin that pop. And then there's going to be hail. Hail, uh, I'm sure we've all seen hail, right? But the idea here in the text is that it's big hail. It's big hail that's crushing you if you're going outside. And we're going to see locusts. Locusts being those, those insects that come in huge swarms and they can darken out the sky. There can be so many of them. And they totally eat anything that's green. And then lastly, we're going to see darkness. Three days of darkness. But I want to draw your attention to the locusts in chapter 10, verse 7. We read this. Then the Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long shall this be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? So even Pharaoh's own people are coming to him now and saying, please, just give up. Just give up and let these slaves go. We can get new slaves. Let them be. 
And then the ninth plague. Interestingly enough too, sorry, real quick, when you get to uh, the, the, the smaller prophet, uh, Joel, we're going to read about a plague of locusts. Uh, there's actually two plagues of locusts. One of those plagues of locusts is an army that comes and destroys God's people. And the first is an actual plague of locusts that comes and destroys the land that they live in. And so God's people are going to know this kind of fear and pain later on in their time as well. But right now, it's reserved specifically for the Egyptians. And then three days of darkness. And now this three days of darkness is, is really interesting um, because I want us to be reminded of the last plague, okay? And the, the plague that comes next is, is what? The, the death of the firstborn. Back in chapter 3, we read that God says, they have taken my firstborn, Israel, into slavery and they've treated them poorly. I'm going to take their firstborn and put them to death. Back in chapter 4, that sounded a bit mysterious to Moses, but as these plagues continue, it's a lot less mysterious. And we're going to need to talk about the one who is actually the firstborn of all creation and the firstborn from the dead, that person being Jesus. Before His death, There weren't three days of darkness, but there were three hours of darkness. And here in the book of Exodus, we see a foreshadowing to that event. The darkness, the the downcastness that comes after suffering and that comes before some greater suffering that's going to happen. In chapter 11, we read this. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, The man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Now, it's here that we begin to get a hint that not only are all of the people of Egypt ready for the Israelites to just leave, but we see God saying they're going to push you out of the land. They're not going to want you here anymore. They're going to be paying you to leave the land, quite literally, All the back pay that you didn't receive as a slave, you're going to get it now. And this was something that, if you'll remember, was actually prophesied back back in Abraham's day. When God said, your people will be enslaved for 400 years, but when you leave, you'll leave rich. Part of the, the meal, the Passover meal, was already read about. And we're going to get to the, the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn in just a minute. Uh, but... One thing that we need to make note of with the Passover meal is that it's a quick meal. Um, in, in Hebrew, it's actually called a meal of haste. Okay? A meal of haste. Um, and God gave specific instructions about how you should dress when you're eating this meal. Okay? <laughs> um, it's, it's in many ways, it's a tactical meal, too. I don't know if you know this word tactical. It means always ready for action. 
So what does God say? He says you're going you're gonna to tie up your, lo- your, your robes. You're going to gird up your loins like you're going into battle. Why do they need to do this? Because they need to be able to run. You're going to have your staff in your hand. Why? Well, everyone was carrying a staff. You're going to, be, you're going to want your staff when you leave. You're going to have your people ready to go. You're going to have your livestock ready to go. The Egyptians around you have already given you money. Some of the Egyptians, you're going to share this good news of painting the blood over their doorposts. They're going to, they're going to come with you too. And some will only wait until after there's been judgment and they're going to follow you as well. But Jesse already read for us from Exodus chapter 12. Um, I'll just, I'll just read real quick this one little portion. Um, in this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be assigned for you on the houses where you are, and I will see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you or destroy you. I will strike the land of Egypt. Then in chapter 12, verse 29, At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock, And the Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go, out from among my people, both of you, and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also." So the Pharaoh finally has a change of heart for a short time, as we already saw in the kids' video this morning. We're not going to get into the crossing of of the sea today. Um, Next week, we want to spend a little bit more time with the cloud and the fire and the sea and what's going to happen on the other side. Um, we, We might have two more weeks in the book of Exodus, but... I want to spend a couple of minutes on the details here related to the Passover. Um, this is very important for us this morning as we go to take part in the Lord's Supper. Um, here's, here's what we read about the, the Israelites doing. Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans. And kill the Passover lamb. And this could be a lamb or a goat. Traditionally, it's pictured as a lamb. And it's remembered as a lamb throughout the rest of the Bible. Um, But it could be goats here as well. Take a bunch of hyssop. So a hyssop is a bush. A bush with very thick branches. uh, Almost sponge-like. So it could pick up a lot of liquid. Like a paintbrush. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. And touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. 
For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost, on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And then you will come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, and you will keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he has passed over the houses of people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Here we have a beautiful picture of something that God is doing for his people. He's saying, from now on, you're going to remember this day. This is going to be the first day of your life. This is the first day of your year. This is the ever-important day. Elsewhere in this text, God calls it, it's the month of months. It's, It's the start of all things, if you will. And there's a couple of details that we need to notice here. The first of which is the blood that is being painted over the lentils. We got it from the video, and I say it almost every week, but this blood is a picture to us of blood that would be shed for us. Interestingly enough, this hyssop branch comes into play in several places in Scripture. But you can probably be quickly reminded of the one place where you know it comes into play. And this is at the cross. At the foot of the cross, when they go to give Christ the the soured uh, red wine, and they put the sponge on a hyssop branch, and they lift it up to Him. And they put it on His lips. They paint His lips with it. As our Savior suffered and died, uh, we have this picture of the hyssop branch and the covering that would the covering of safety that it would be for us. I find it interesting here that God's people are supposed to remember this meal forever. And then what does Jesus do for us? Well, what he does for us is that he keeps this meal going. But he keeps it going with the true and better picture that it was always meant to be pointing to. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant. This is my blood for you. It's my promise to you. Now here, where was the blood going? It was going over the lintels and over the doorposts. Um, and, and back in the days of the Jews, when they are giving sacrifices, the blood would always be put in that basin, in a bowl somewhere, on the side of the altar away. You're not supposed to be cooking with the blood. You're not supposed to be touching the blood. It's off limits. Why is it off limits? Well, a couple of reasons. Very simply, looking back, it's off limits because it's a reminder of what it is. But here, and in Leviticus, it says, by no means eat or drink any blood. So the shocking statement here for the disciples is for Jesus to say to them, take, this is my blood given for you. Drink it. Their whole lives, they've been trained. Don't touch the blood. Don't drink the blood. Don't eat the blood. Don't cook in the blood. And now, 
Jesus, our Savior, is saying to us, eat, drink. What did they do with the lamb? They didn't just throw the lamb out. Um, They cooked the lamb and they ate it. Jesus, what does he say? This is my body. Broken for you. Eat it. He is the lamb who has come to take away the sins of the world. His body has been sacrificed for you to consume. His blood has been given to you to drink. Next week, we're going to be looking at um, the actual exodus out of Egypt now. And we're going to be looking at the, the song of Moses or the song of the sea. And it's in that song that we see that God confronts evil. He stands in front of evil and He calls it what it is. He lets us know that there is justice in the world. He redeems His people from slavery. He leads His people into the promised land. And He dwells among His people. Well, right now, we're going to be taking part in the Lord's Supper together. And this meal is a reminder of everything that we saw this morning. Except for unlike in Moses' day, when there needs to be such drastic measures taken, or seemingly such great measures taken, where the firstborn of every household and every field is taken away, God is showing His power and His strength and His judgment. He's saying, I am almighty. But to us, God is saying, I am both almighty, but I'm also a loving Father. I'm a loving Father who doesn't take your firstborn because of your sin, but instead I give you my firstborn. I give you that that one that one that is truly God, truly man, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, and I give Him to you. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll move over to the Lord's Supper. Father God, we thank You this morning because we know that it is by the blood of Jesus that You spared us from judgment. Father God, in our lives now, we would also pray that You would make haste to deliver us. You've already delivered us from our sin, our slavery to it, but each day we keep on trying to go back to our slave masters. And I pray, Lord, for each of us that we would instead rest securely and peacefully in Your finished work. Lord, I pray that You would protect us with Your blood. That we, like our our ancestors here in the text, would pass from death to life each and every day. Father God, we love You. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to take a couple of minutes and put the table together, prepare the meal. Uh, There's no tasty roast lamb, unfortunately.
um, but we do have what Christ has given to us, and that is Himself. His body broken for us and His blood shed for us. So I'll prepare the meal, and then we'll, I'll call you up uh, in just a couple of minutes. Take this time. Um, as a reminder, if you know Christ as your Savior, then I would invite you up to take part in this meal. Uh, if, especially if you have been baptized, I would invite you up. If you're visiting with us today, if you don't know what this is all about, it's not magic. So don't just walk up and think that something magical is going to happen. Uh, you can sit, sit a week out. That's fine. If you want to talk about it, that's great. Um, but this is a gift that God has given to His church. And so um, if you know Christ as your Savior, then I would invite you to come up and take part of that. Take these couple of minutes to, to give your sin over to Christ, to turn away from it and to turn to Him. Um, you know, that first division that God made uh, was a division of mercy when He said, Israelites, you're not going to suffer under this anymore. But that last division that He makes in the 10th plague, the taking of the firstborn, He says, it's by faith now. And, and I've given you everything you need. I've given you the faith that, you've need, that you need. I've given you all the proof that you need to know who I am. Now by faith, I want you to walk outside Put that blood over your doorpost. He makes a final division, not out of mercy, but out of faith. As a reminder that judgment does come for our sins. And it's only under the covering of His blood that we can rest securely and peacefully. It's on that note, church, that I send you out into the world. You are sent out from here as a people ransomed out of slavery out of your bondage to the flesh, the world, and the devil. You are a people of promise, no longer needing to rely on yourselves. In body and in soul, in life and in death, you belong to your faithful Savior, Jesus. The Father hears you, He knows you, and He sees you. And the Spirit is working to assure you of this salvation while making you ready and willing to share it with others. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.